In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Last year, that's right, last year, we're in 2022 now. Last year, God impressed upon us three areas to partner with him as a church. One of those was about finding a program, and not necessarily just a course to offer, but a way that collectively we could all press out with focus with the good news of Jesus Christ out into our community. Shameless plug to hear about the other two, and where God's leading us this year, the annual meeting next week, we'll expound upon what God's done and how those dovetail with where we're headed. It's not going to be boring, I promise. So stick around for that. Here endeth the plug. Um, but that program that we began to pray into last spring, last summer, and then dialogue around in God's word this fall was to ask the Lord, what might that look like? The burden he placed on our heart as it was called forward by many that shared, was around children and young families. Now, that's no surprise. They are in abundance around us. And so then we began to ask the Lord, well, what does that look like? How do we reach them? How should we press in uh, beyond our walls towards that end? And so one thing that God bubbled up for us was this program called Good News Club. It's actually just a simple Bible-based program that goes into public schools as an after-school care program so that kids might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So um, we're in the midst of getting this up and running in February, but I want you to see just a really short clip of what it entails. This is actually what goes to parents, but it'll give you a really quick glimpse, high level, of what Good News Club is about, and then I'll tell you why we're bringing this forward this Sunday of all days. What is Good News Club? Good News Club is an exciting opportunity for elementary age kids to participate in an engaging and uplifting after-school program. All kids are welcome to join in on the fun in a safe environment where they can meet new friends, play games, sing songs, and learn the good news about Jesus Christ. During each club, boys and girls will learn Bible verses, participate in interactive songs, and hear life-changing lessons from God's true word, the Bible. Throughout every activity, they will learn more and more about who God is. Good News Clubs are sponsored and organized by Child Evangelism Fellowship. We're a Bible-centered organization committed to helping boys and girls around the world know who God is and how they can have a relationship with Him. And by partnering with churches in your local area, we're able to host Good News Clubs in your community and nearby public schools. Good News Club, like any other after-school program, has equal access to the public schools, which was granted by the Supreme Court in the early 2000s. We ensure your child will be taught in a safe environment by volunteers and teachers who have been carefully screened and trained. Children will learn, grow, and develop healthy relationships with those around them and with God. Every child with a completed registration form is welcome to be in Good News Club. We hope your child can be a part of this safe program full of fun, friendship, and learning. We'll see you at Good News Club. I'll bring that forward for you today because hopefully you saw it in the opening collect. This theme of the good news, which runs throughout all of our readings, is central to Scripture today. 
And the particular passage I want to drill down into is our Old Testament reading from Nehemiah 8, as we talk about how the good news, when brought out into the world, um, truly is transformative. Now, these are going to be really obvious points. I'm not expecting to tell you something you don't know, but we just pull forward um, what you do know just as a way for us to recall why we're called to go out in this topic of evangelism, what it looks like, and truly um, what God's Word does when brought out into the world through us. So turn with me, if you will, to Nehemiah um, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, as we discover therein uh, the first of a few uh, lessons, first of three this morning. Now, to get you a little bit of context, remember where Ezra and Nehemiah fall. Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament fall actually post-glory days of Israel, if I could put it that way. God's people were brought out of Egypt, right? God gave his people a promised land. God raised up prophets and even kings. God gave them this golden age under Solomon. And then what happens? Solomon's sons and their hubris put their confidence not in God's word and the law and those who were trained and living it, but rather in their peer group, and the cracks began to show. The northern and southern kingdoms get divided. Um, the kings draw the people away from God, and the covenant is broken, and they find themselves for an entire generation in exile. So Ezra and Nehemiah pick up on the back end of that as God's people return to a crumbled city of Jerusalem with no temple, no walls, no um, drippings of life. And there they begin to rebuild. And as they rebuild the physical city and the temple uh, and the walls in these books, it's important because the physical rebuilding is indicative of the spiritual rebuilding of their relationship with the Lord and their return. And so Ezra, or uh, Ezra's the, the scribe, but Nehemiah um, in chapter 8, we're picking up here in verse 1, after the walls of the city have been constructed, and this is indicative of the people now placing their security in God, and they're gathering to be instructed according to the law. Now, this is a pretty pivotal moment because there's an entire generation who's come back into Israel who's never heard the law, never heard God's word spoken and proclaimed because they've grown up in captivity. And so now as they're gathering, um, they're gathering, as we read in verse 1, as one man with, with great unity to hear God's word proclaimed by, uh, in this case, Nehemiah, kind of the governor of the region now. Now, interestingly, they take great pains to talk about in verse 2 how both the women and the men and subsequently even probably the children are gathered. Now, that's important because according to the law, only the men were required, according to the law, to be there for the festivals as outlined in the Pentateuch or the first five books. So for the women and the children to be there shows that everyone wants to be there. And they're there not for just a small period of time. If you think uh, Father Greg and I for 20 minutes is a long period of time, they're there from what? Sun up till midday listening. And they're not nodding off. They're not there under compulsion. They're there because they want to be there. And verse 3 tells us the ears of all the people were what? Attentive to the book of the law. They're leaning in on every word that is spoken. They want to hear what God has to say to them. And what's being expounded, what takes so much time, is they're hearing the totality of the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, read word for word to them as Ezra's on this platform reading out 
to the multitudes. Now, I think this brings forward a really valuable point. Again, nothing really other than just kind of a pulling forward of something that I trust you know, that namely the good news of God's word captivates people. Now, we know that, but sometimes we think that we have to find a way to somehow dress up God, but his word stands alone. I mean, we don't have to get fun and attractive with it. There are ways with kids that we find ways to break that up in a way that's age-appropriate, of course. But God doesn't need our help. Um, and in fact, I would even argue, although don't make this a soundbite, that the best way that you can invite people to church is not by inviting them on Sunday morning. In fact, worship is for the faithful, the household of faith. Entrance to communion is through the waters of baptism. Um, it's, these are the rites according to scripture to equip and build up the household of faith. In fact, probably the best way you can invite people is to Bible studies because it's there that God's word grabs their heart and begins to touch into who they are because everyone has the fingerprints of God being made in his image, right? And then that reaches into them as they realize that there is something there that's amiss and then it aligns them with relationships with others. Now, anyone can come to worship and we hope they will. But I think the place where the work is done is in God's word because the Holy Spirit grabs their hearts and begins what only he can do. And so our job is really to bring them into contact with God's word. That's why CBS is important here for our community on Tuesdays. That's why Good News Club will be important as we reach out, no coincidences in God's economy, to Friendship Elementary, where all the kids from the apartments go that we've had some relationship with over the years. The point is that as God's word is brought forth, it captivates hearts. Now, I'm excited to tell you that Good News Club, we already have a core team already ready to go. But there's a way and ways that the whole church can be involved. One of those, I'll send it out in communications, is on February 16th. It's our job to bring the permission forms and get that into the hands of the parents before their kids can come to Good News Club. So I would love it if we had an army from our church there the Wednesday before they begin to help hand these out in smiling faces to parents and say, we hope your kid will be there next week. And we're at that church across the road. Um, but we're going to be helping host this program. Most parents, even if they're not Christian, like their kids to have some sort of moral bearing. And so they'll bring them into this just because they know it's kind of a good thing. And the hope is that God's work begins as they begin to engage his word at that time. So one way you can simply come is by putting that into practice on the 16th as we're on their campus to help invite those kids to come. But the work that begins as God captures hearts is only the first step. In fact, the next comes back in verse 8, which you noticed I took a quantum leap over the names that Leslie read. Um, well done. Um, but... As those were read, as um, Ezra is reading, these names that were read are the names of the Levites who would go through the congregation and explain what is being read. Now, as an aside, it's worth making the point that the people who we often associate into teaching role are guys like us, right? Well, in the Old Testament, they were of the Aaronic line, the priesthood, as you know. Interestingly, they're not the ones expounding the word. The Levites are. They're a tribe set apart according to the law to both read, digest, and help explain. And then you get all these rabbinic schools that come off of that, of course. The point is this. The people taking the good news out are people like you all. They're from the congregation of the faithful. It wasn't just 
the priestly class that did that. And so as they go forth, um, as they're teaching this, as they're explaining this, as they're talking to the people, something interesting happens in verse 9. What happens? The people then weep. They're cut to the heart. When they hear God's word read for the first time in some cases, and they hear how far off they are, not only are they drawn in, but God's word also convicts. I think that's a second point to pause and reflect on this morning for us as well, that as we bring God's word out, it not only captivates heart, but it will convict hearts. And we can't overlook that. We can't dress that up because that's God's work to do um, for those not only who are disconnected from him and his church, but we're all convicted, or I hope we are, when we go to God's word. In fact, the closer we walk with Jesus, sometimes the more convicted we are about all the little areas. Once he moves the boulders out of the way, then it's, it's the little pieces that begin to um, bubble up for us. And I've seen some of the holiest people um, in my life that often are more convicted than anyone else. Martin Luther uh, in, the Re- in the Reformation used to always be told the moment he'd walk out of the confessional, he'd walk right back in. Like it was like a dadgummit, you know, and it just, he couldn't get it right. Um, I had a, a priest in seminary who said that um, he used to be a confessor for nuns, and it was like being stoned with popcorn. I mean, you're just like, please tell me something wrong. But they were just so attuned to where they were short that they wanted to be closer to Jesus. And so they took every effort to move everything out of the way to be more in alignment with him. The point is this, um, God's word will convict hearts. That's what it does, because there's not one of us this side of eternity that's fully aligned with him. And so we can't try to leapfrog over that because in God's goodness, he captivates us where we are, captures our hearts, but in his mercy, he doesn't leave us there, thanks be to God, but moves us near to him as we are drawn to him and connect with him. So one of the outflows of being engaged with God's word is that it will convict hearts. And so here's another way as we go to Good News Club that you can help out week in and week out. You can pray for these kids. We're going to publish a list of names that you can devote to your daily prayers, only first names, that you can pray for those kids, that God's word would grab hold of them, that they would have those seeds that are planted, take deep root, regardless of what's happening at home, that that our little team that we'll give you the names of will also be equipped to deal with the circumstances that they're going to engage, because it's tough stuff. I sat in in Birdville um, a month ago before... Um, the, the recent unpleasantness with their shutting down again um, at their Good News Club before Thanksgiving. Wasn't in a collar. I was in jeans and a button-down, and, and they introduced me and said I was a pastor from across town, and our church was looking to bring Good News Club over to another school. And this one little fifth-grade girl came up to me and kind of said, so you're a pastor? And I said, yeah, what's going on? She said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, what's going on? She said, I don't know what to do about my dad. And then she poured out the most heart-wrenching story about her dad, who grew up in the faith but then had departed, and she was hanging by a thread, trying to hold on to that. And her touch point was there at that school on Good News Club. Her dad had turned his back on the faith, had gotten into some very terrible stuff, and she she wanted to know, well, what happens to my dad now? That's a tough question for a fifth-year-old to answer, right? Where is he going to be? And I said, well, the good news is, this side of the veil, we always have a chance to turn back. So we pray for you, Dad. And he's on my 
phone prayer list every day. And, and we find ways whereby others can connect with him. But you see, the impact that it has and can have, not just on a kid, but a family, is huge. And so we have this great opportunity to uphold those kids in prayer. Never discount prayer as just this throwaway thing we do. That's where the work happens on our knees. So there's a way that we can put that into practice. Because what happens is, as hearts are convicted, as it was for this little girl, as others come to encounter and then are convicted by God's word, the outflow or the good news is where the final point comes. Um, in Nehemiah 10, as we turn back to that, we notice, of course, something interesting. Nehemiah and the Levites actually have to tell the people, don't grieve, don't weep, don't um, be torn apart by this. Now, why? Now, remember, they've been coming out of exile, so they've, they've had a, a reparation for their sins. They have been cut to the heart. They've returned to the Lord. They're rebuilding. They're reinvesting. And as they're doing so, they're saying, this is a sacred time. Rejoice in what God is going to do as you return to him. And so the comfort comes on the other side of the conviction that happens. And so Nehemiah um, and the Levites pull this forward. They send them forward with drink and offerings, and, um, and a great festival and celebration pours forth with great rejoicing because they'd understood what was read. They were convicted by what was read. And then now they had the comfort that came to them through the words that they had heard taught and read. And from that place, they're ready to begin afresh. And so that is what happens with us too, that as we take the good news out, it does captivate hearts. It will cut to the heart. God's word is sharper than two-edged sword, we're reminded, right? It convicts us. But then lastly, the comfort does come. The comfort's found when from that place of conviction comes conversion, and not just a one-time being saved thing, but we are constantly being saved. There's a continual conversion of heart until we reach our journey's end in the presence of Jesus. And thus, as we go forth, um, we are reminded that we can do that as well. So here's one last way that you can help with Good News Club too. In addition to helping us get the word out so that others can be captivated, praying for those kids and those helping, one of the last things that you can do is, I would love it if we wrote letters to those kids, um, that you'd you know, decide over a six-week period you're gonna write to two kids. Hey, Bob, um, I'm, I'm a member over at, at, at the church that's helping with Good News Club. I just want you to know we're praying for you, and uh, we hope that you'll come to our you know, Easter celebration or whatever that might be, and we can slip those into backpacks. Um, you, you can't imagine what impact that could have as uh, a parent opens that up and realize someone took enough time to write a handwritten note in these days, two lines, you know, and, and, and cared enough to do that. Um, it could, that could be a defining moment for someone that could bring them um, this moment where they realize that there are these weird people called Christians out there that truly believe this stuff and recognize that there is no other way to find comfort in this life than to square up against Jesus. And that as we align with him more fully, we find peace in all the ways that in our brokenness we can't find otherwise. 
So there's great efforts that we can put forth towards this end. I hope this will be a rally point for us out into the community, but it'll be ways that we can reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't a one-time thing. Um, it, it becomes a template as these things begin to be, whereas we do CBS and we have other offerings as you have men's and women's groups. Now you've got a way to frame this and do these sorts of things. We can pray for those who come. We can reach out to them. We can find ways to invite them. We can spur them on in what God's doing in their lives that as they onboard, hopefully the hub of worship becomes more and more full with those who want to be here because they want to praise the living God week in and week out and be strengthened to go right back out beyond those walls and drag others back in uh, to find what we found. Because that is the outflow of the good news, that what we have found isn't just siloed for us, but has reached out um, as we hear every baptism, and you were reminded of a few weeks ago, that the church is like the ark, kind of washing through this life, whereby we are on this track as everything is whirling around us in, in life, that we have this comfort, this place, this, this safe haven, and our job is to pull everyone else floundering around on board so that they might find comfort until we meet our journey's end in Jesus. That's the good news. That's what we bring forth into the schools and into our lives. And may God assist us towards that end, to his honor and glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.